So, yes, open up your Bible apps, open up your Bibles. You want to follow along in 1 Samuel 25. Um, There is so much here. So, there's more chapters dedicated to the life of David than any other Bible character in the Bible except for Jesus Christ. There's a reason for that, because we can learn a lot from his life, both his successes and his failures. I want to mention something a little bit different about these lessons from David, is that they're really leadership lessons, because we got to know David uh, when he was a teenager. He was anointed as the next king of Israel, and how about that for a leadership role in your life, right? Uh, Though it would be uh, another Uh, He would be 30 before he would actually step into the kingship role. He went, he, soon after that, uh, he goes to the the palace under Saul and he sees leadership. He's worshiping with his harp and his guitars there. And, and so he's around leadership. The next door, I mean, these are just quick happenings. He's still a, 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 in the teen years, we believe, maybe later teens. And he defeats Goliath. And he becomes on the national scene famous and respected as a military leader. He's put in over uh, a captain over hundreds of, of, of soldiers. So he, all we know about him is leadership. He lives a life of leadership constantly. And you go, well, you know, that's not my life. I'm not a leader. I'm, a, I'm retired or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a manager at work or I'm not a pastor. So this is, you know, done. No, you lead your life. Listen, you're a leader of your life. You lead and impact people around you. Whether you think you don't or not, you do. And you think, well, you, you know, I attend church, but I really don't do anything. You're impacting the rest of us, how you worship, how you serve, how you give to God in, in your gifts and things. You do impact others. Do not think that you're not a leader. Because you are. You impact others. You are a leader. And these life lessons are valuable for you today. What I'm so cool about this particular chapter is that we learn some things from David, but it's, it's, it's some of his, his mistakes. There's another man uh, in this story, uh, Nabal, we learn from his mistakes. But we learn from Abigail's strong, amazing character and wisdom and so there really is, uh, this story just exalts uh, womanhood and what God can do uh, through women. And yet her wisdom is so profound and so practical, all of us can use it on a regular basis, what we'll discover uh, from her today. So I've entitled this message, Abigail's Delivering Wisdom. Sometimes we look at wisdom as someone who's really smart, somebody who's intelligent, and when they speak, you just go, wow, you know, they're really deep. Well, listen, look at their life. They'll let you know if that knowledge and understanding is actually applied and they live it out in their life. That's why we often like to say wisdom is for fit somebody who's a little bit older because they've, they've lived a little bit longer and they've made the mistakes and they're learning from their mistakes and they have wisdom now in their life. And so wisdom here that we see in Abigail is a wisdom that has action to it, 
has follow-up to it. Let us pray before we uh, start looking at God's Word here. Holy Spirit, our ears are open to you. You are a teacher. Teach us through your Word. In your name we pray. Amen. This chapter has just an unusual statement in the sense that it doesn't fit with the rest of the story, but it opens with uh, stating that Samuel the prophet has died. Samuel was old. Samuel was the one, just a quick review, if you remember, is the prophet that, that uh, uh, from a boy he grew up in the temple uh, um, under the priest's tutelage there, and he, his words never did fall to the ground. His prophetic words were always accurate. And he's the one that uh, anointed the first king, Saul, anointed him with oil. Unfortunately, Saul uh, compromised, was disobedient, uh, protecting himself, not trusting in God, and had kingship was taken away. Samuel also anointed David to be king. And we really see a relationship at key times in David's life. This was a special relationship. When Saul first started persecuting and chasing after David, David ran uh, to Samuel where he was. And sure enough, the power of God protected them in such a way that even when soldiers came to attack him, to capture him, they would fall on the power of the Holy Spirit. And even Samuel went on the fourth trip, said, this is ridiculous. I'll go get him myself. And he fell under the power of the Holy Spirit because the anointing of the prophetic ministry was so strong and Saul couldn't, he fell to the ground and he was prophesying. He couldn't even do his evil deed. And now Samuel's dead. And it, it, it's just one verse. And then it goes into the story, verse 2. It says that Israel, the Israelites gathered together and lamented for Samuel's death. Now, you know, David wasn't there. In this gathering, he wasn't there. We don't know how long this lasted or season of mourning. It's a specific thing. Tra- tradition, practice started in Israel when Moses died. They were instructed by God to, to mourn for 30 days. And I'm not exactly sure what all that morning looked like, but it was, it was a, a set time that everybody had the freedom to just grieve and more express your heart and your sorrow and all the emotions that come with it for 30 days. And then they kind of said, let's get, let's, you know, kick back into gear and get back into normal, normalcy. And of course, grief and mourning can last more than 30 days, but it's a Eastern mindset culture that will give you freedom to really let yourself grieve. And so I'm just going to say this in the onset, ask this question, how did David, how was he impacted by Samuel's death, especially since he wasn't there lamenting and mourning with the others? We don't get any indication that he did anything specific for mourning here. We just know that Samuel died and then and David still hiding out with his uh Closest 600 men in the wilderness. Uh, last week, the, the, the message was on David, Psalms, and depression. And someone contacted me, me this week and said, Stephen, one thing I don't think you really highlighted very well, that depression can be some, a lot of ups and downs. And that's what we are reading in David's actions. He was uh, trusting in God, and then he would he, he went to Gath and to try to get protection under the enemy's land. And then he was back and trusting God. Then he was this. And it, 
In the Psalms, you read that, there's a lot of up and down. And so, you know, that can be the nature of this, this thing. And when you read Psalms, and as even Jill said today, hey, trust God in the ups and downs. God will help us with the ups and downs. So here's this story now. Again, it seems to be totally unrelated from verse 1. But in verse 2, it talks talking about this man named Nabal. And Nabal was lived in uh, uh, Moan, and it was near the uh, village town of Carmel. This is not Mount Carmel in the northern part uh, near Haifa, where we uh, know the church there and visit there. And, and Elijah, um, uh, in the Old Testament story, defeated the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. This is in the southern parts. This is just a, a town out in the wilderness in the desert, a little bit farther south. It looks like David moved farther south away from Saul, uh, hey, Samuel is dead, so I need a little bit more protection, a little bit more uh, go south here. And he had a big business. He, uh, Nabal was wealthy. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, so that's a lot. And he, he was shearing the sheep. So this is a time of, of the harvest, right, for a, a shepherding business where you're selling all this this uh, sheep's uh, wool and things, and, and all the money's coming in. It's a time of prosperity. And this is what's happening. This is the context of what's happening. Let me read verse 3. And it describes this couple, Nabal and Abigail. The, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Now, this little note, he was of the house of Caleb, is an important note. It indicates they're down in the southern part of Israel, which is uh, the large tribe of Judah. Caleb was one of the 12 spies that got to go in the promised land because he was faithful to God, and he lived and settled. He was in that southern part, the, the tribe of Judah. He's pri- pri- the tribe of Judah. Well, guess what? David is also of the tribe of Judah. Bethlehem's a little city right in the northern part of that, of that tribal area. So he's like kinfolk. David, the son of Jesse, is like part of that clan and, uh, in, in that region. And I want to go ahead and start off with lessons from uh, Abigail. I'm going to have several lists today. One's six lessons long, six points long. That's really long. I'm going to summarize it at the end. You can take a picture of it. It's going to be so practical. You want to take a picture of it at the end when I put all six of them up there. And, uh, but we've got a couple of little lists from, uh, from other places as well. Lessons from Abigail. She had good understanding and a beautiful appearance. And notice in this that she is, it's not one or the other in this scripture. It says, and. It's not an either or. She let her beauty just, you know, she wore nice clothes, whatever. She let her beauty shine, but she, she didn't, in this culture, that seems to be all that matters, is an outward beauty. Well, we know from New Testament Scripture where it talks about uh, a beauty that is an inner and outer beauty. And... It describes, this is 1 Peter 3, if you're wondering what I'm referencing uh, here in my notes, 1 Peter 3, it has this description of a, a, a godly woman. 
And it says, do not let your, verse three of chapter three, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold and putting on fine apparel. So it says, it's not, it didn't say it was wrong or evil or something. It said, don't let it merely be that. Like in this culture, that's the pressure. Really focus on that. But rather, verse four, let it be a hidden part of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And so there is this inner beauty that we're going to see here out of Abigail. It's, it's about wisdom, it's understanding, and her beautiful appearance. It's both, it's, it doesn't have to be an either or in the body of Christ. Let me go ahead and tell you more of what happens in this story. So David has been roaming this region where the shepherds have been in the wilderness, and he uh, actually sent his soldiers to go around the herds of these 3,000 sheep, and, and maybe the goats were there too, and, and they're watching out, and it's even described as a wall of protection. Could be from lions and bears. I mean, David knows how to do that, but it could be from the Philistines coming in to steal. It could be from other robbers and thieves in the who who live off of just stealing stuff, and they provide protection. So Nabal he doesn't lose any sheep this uh, before this shearing time, like he normally would. For however many weeks or months this was, uh, the soldiers of David are protecting them. And so David is, of course, uh, a man of honor. This is an honorable thing. No one asked him to do this, but he did this out of honor to bless them. And, hey, he's going to go and ask for a favor from Nabal. He sends 10 of his men to go to Nabal and, and ask, uh, hey, um, Nabal, uh, we've been protecting your herds we've, and, your, and your valuables out there, your valuable business, and... Um, and we're from David, uh, son of Jesse, and, and we're asking, can we have some, uh, some bread and some provisions uh, for, our, for our, uh, our men here? And this is the reply, verse 10 and 11 of chapter 25. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David and who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed from my shears and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? All right, so we're seeing why this earlier verse described him as harsh and evil in his doings. This is a, a calculated insult. Who is David, the son of Jesse? They're kinfolk. Not only that, David is a famous war hero. Everybody knows David. And, and he, I mean, even the enemies in Gath have heard the singing of the, of the women in Israel saying, David has killed his thousands and Saul, his ten thousands, Saul his thousands. You know, so everybody knows who David is. So this is an insult to just squash this request of provisions in a, as a reward, as a blessing back for their protection. And he says, oh, you're just like these other, you know, there's nothing special about you. You're not going to be the next king. You're not, you know, you're not serving God. You're, you're just like all those rebellious runaways that go out and just cause trouble out there and out, out in the land. 
you know, why, why should I spare, you know, any bread on you? I've got my shears to take care of. So, next verse, what happens? The men go back to David. They tell him what was said. And all we have recorded from David is this one sentence. Every man, gird on his sword. That's David's response. Every man, gird on his sword. So 400 men and 200 would stay back with the supplies, girded up their sword, ready for battle, ready to go. This, this is our response to Nabal. We're coming at you with full force. Now notice, if you've been reading about David, if you continue to read, what was unique about his leadership of his life and of the group that he led is that he would inquire of the Lord. And that's the phrase that would, he would, it would be used in Scripture. He inquired of the Lord. We're going to see that phrase. Even Saul did that at times. Saul inquired of the Lord. He didn't always, and that's what his problem. He didn't necessarily do what Samuel the prophet would say to do. And, and so here we are. We're learning a lesson from David from his mistakes. Lesson number one from David. Don't forget, ask of the Lord first. How many times do we just quickly react to something because it was? It was an insult. It was bad. It was a slam on their kinship, their clanship. It was a slam on, uh, on his character. It was a slam on, his, on, on, um, uh, on this request that they, they put hours into protecting those sheep. It was bad. And the, the quick reacting with your quick emotional response, right? And so if you do inquire the Lord, that gives you some time. That helps you calm down. That helps you put it in perspective. And that was his mistake. He didn't even think about it. He didn't even mention it. He just went straight. Gird on your sword. Let's go. Well, the shearers and those men that worked, uh, for Nabal, for Nabal, they realize, oh my gosh, we are, we are done, we are ruined. And they hear that David is coming with the 400 soldiers. And he doesn't go to some chief shepherd out there, some captain or something. He, he runs to Abigail. And he tells Abigail everything that has happened and that they really did protect us they were amazing. They were, the men of Nabal were so grateful. And he, and he says, but this is it's what's happening. And, and this is our dooms. In fact, you know, the, who knows how bad it could be. First Samuel 25, 17 says, Now, therefore, he says to her, Know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Now, I looked up the Hebrew, this Hebrew word for scoundrel, and it means a worthless one. And so that's, they use the word scoundrel to describe that. And it's, it's a wickedness that just is, is so hard to deal with, it's worthless. And that's how he describes to his wife, her husband. And here we have this statement, um, 
in verse 17, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. Now, listen, folks, let's start learning some lessons from Nabal's mistakes. Is that one, being harsh and unapproachable leads to hopelessness in your home, family, and co-workers. Being unapproachable where you're so intense or everything is an argument and you're so harsh and everything, you just blow everything out of proportion and you're hard to talk to, that means you're not approachable and that means that the people in your home, the people you work with at work, they feel like, I can't talk to them, I can't, we can't resolve this, I can't disagree with them, it's just going to get escalated, they're gonna, it's going to be harsh, they're going to squelch everything and it's a hopeless feeling and so what does this messenger do? He goes straight to Abigail. He didn't even try to talk to Nabal. Doesn't even try. Doesn't try to get any other men to try to talk. He, just, he goes straight to Abigail because she's known as a woman of good understanding and wisdom. She already has a life of that. That's her reputation. That's her, her character. People have seen that. They go to her. And we need to learn from that. Lord, help us to not uh, be so harsh and reactive and be approachable so people around us can talk to us and help us. You know, un- unapproachable people like this have many blind spots because they never listen to other people's input. And so you're just relegated to your own perspective about yourself. And so this is an important lesson to learn. Let me tell you what happens next in the next couple of verses because I want to get to Abigail's speech. I call it a speech. It's really an appeal to David. It's masterful. It is brilliant. Every sentence counts, has purpose, has direction. And I want to get to that passage and break it down carefully. So what happens next is that Abigail just quickly gets a, says, gets this, get this uh, get the sheep skinned, get the wine skinned, get the loaves of bread, get the grain, the clusters of raisins, the, uh, the 200 cakes of figs, load up these donkeys, and she sends this gift of plenty of food, generous amount of all kinds of foods to go before her to go to David. And she says, I'll be coming after. So here's a lesson from Abigail. Be generous in your hospitality. Be generous in your hospitality. Now, we're going to get to her speech in a moment um, because it's so good. But let's think about what's happening right now. She's on a donkey ride. She's in hay. She's going quickly. And she's able to listen to God and collect her words on this donkey ride. Now, we already know that her husband, Nabal, is this scoundrel, this worthless man who's harsh and unapproachable. She's already has learned how do you talk to a, a husband, a spouse who won't listen. And she is known for her wisdom, so she's got some practice working with men who are unapproachable. And so the Holy Spirit's bring all of this together for her on this donkey ride. And I, I want to say for our spouses at home, our managers at work, uh, that, that if you have someone who's unapproachable, God will teach you with the wisdom of how to connect with them 
in communication and it's in this this appeal is going to have nuggets of wisdom for you. Now, you could you're probably saying, "Man, I wish I'd had this list 2 weeks ago because you were in it a hard conversation a couple weeks ago." This is a this is going to be a great list and the Holy Spirit is bring it together for her and I believe she's had lots of practice because of her husband. Let's look at verse 20, uh, 21. Now, David had said, surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaid me, uh, repaid me evil for good. So this is as David had said. So this is what he's thinking. Ever since he said, gird up your sword, he's thinking, man, I can't believe that he's uh, treating me this way. This is his self-talk. This is what he's doing, talking and mumbling and grumbling under his breath, okay? Verse 22, may God do so, and more also to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. So because of this insult, he is going to slaughter during the night every man that works for Nabal, every relative, every son, grandson. He is going to take out every male. It could be maybe hundreds of men. Here's a lesson from David in his mistakes. Uh, Number one, remember we already said, don't forget and ask of the Lord first. Number two, don't let your self-talk escalate your anger into rage. Your chance to self-talk is to get your mind back on the word of God. And you're waiting on God because you've prayed about it first. So you're in the scripture, you're waiting on God, you're in scripture, you're getting your mind back on God. But what often happens, we either get discouraged, we get upset, we get angry, I self-talk, we let these things start going in these patterns and we escalate and we even get more angry into a rage, but we're going to slaughter every single one of those men in his family. We're going to take them all out. can't believe he would do this to me. So our mental self-talk, we have instruction from God's word to take every thought captive so this doesn't have to happen to us. This is so dangerous, what's happening to David right now. All right, Abigail, let's focus on her. Chapter 25, verse 23 and 24. Now, when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, Oh, me, my Lord. On, excuse me, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. All right. She bowed before him. Now that is a, was a common Eastern ancient practice for women to do. It's still practiced in some cultures today. My mom and dad went on many African mission trips. My dad for many years in medical missions, and he transitioned and did more leading teams to Africa. And I got to go to Malawi one time with them. And, um, uh, and we were in a remote village. Everything is remote. If the capital had asphalt. You drove up the one highway out of north on asphalt. Then you got off. There was no more asphalt or concrete roads. I didn't see for two weeks. And... Um, 
And so we were in this one uh, city or town for a while. Everything's made of, of clay bricks. They just get right out of this clay soil. And, and then we went to a smaller uh, village that uh, mom and dad's church, dad's church raised the money and built them a concrete uh, church building. So it was the nicest building in the whole village. Otherwise, it would have been just, you know, just kind of open walls with some grassy leaves, roofs, and so forth. And this was a really a centerpiece for the community. And we went to the pastor's house uh, for lunch, and we're sitting around in this kind of living room. The kitchen's more out back. Uh, there's a fire going. They're, they're killing chickens, killing chickens, you know, and going to be doing the best meal they can give to us. And the pastor's wife comes in the living room. She's in charge of these other, you know, these ladies that are working together cooking. And, and they're very educated in Malawi there. It's a, it was a British-ruled nation in the past, really took the value on of education. And she was a, a teacher, I believe, a college for college, I believe. I can't remember on, on which level, but she was a, a teacher. And she came in the room, and she did this. And she was able to balance herself. I can't really do that. And she was just like this when his husband, when her husband introduced her. And she was bowing in, because of hospitality and honor to us. And she just stayed down like this the whole time. And so this isn't some primitive culture that, you know, doesn't know education. No, they, no education, very poor uh, in, in the nation. Lots of poverty and some stories about that. But there, there was just, I mean... <laughs> I don't deserve that. What is she doing? You know, I was like, what in the world? But it captured my attention. I never forgot it. And what does she do? She hastily gets down there. She sends the gift of food first. Smart woman, right? She's very wise. And she gets off that, that mule and she just lays down and bows before him. And she starts the conversation. She doesn't wait. Now, that's pretty risky, right, in the authority in that culture, but she starts a conversation with humility. So that's this, this list of six right here is practical things with hard conversations right here. Abigail is brilliant here. The Lord has taught her. And, and CEOs at corporate training, they follow the same list out of Abigail's appeal right here. This has all been studied and researched. She is She's got the wisdom of the Lord. Number one, initiate the conversation with humility. And no, I do not expect Elisa to bow before us. At, uh, in, in fact, it's the opposite. We should be bowing to her, thanking her for the good cooking and cooking over and over again. Thank you, honey. We bow before you. So you got to apply these things in your culture, right? Okay, so don't worry. I get slapped, kicked around if I Okay. So let's keep doing this. We honor you, honey. She's a great cook. She cooks all the time in our home. All right. <clears throat> so you, in, when you're entering a hard conversation, it could be with an authority at work, it could be a spouse, it could be a sensitive situation where you believe the other person is already angry, they're probably not going to be listening to you. You start the conversation with humility, all right, where you're... You're admitting what you've done wrong here or you're part of the problem. You just humble yourself. You come with that tone and that posture, and you're giving yourself a chance to win their heart 
to model humility so then they will respond back in humility. If you start all hot and heavy and you're reacting to something, well, what do you expect? They're going to be just, just as much or more. All right, so you're initiating quickly with humility. Let's go to the next verse. She goes on to says, Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Wow, so she goes into her next uh, thing to, listen, uh, to, to, to learn from this is that she tells the story with honesty and openness. That's lesson number two in this, in this list. Tell your story with honesty and openness. Listen, go ahead, just be honest with it. Yeah, I mean, my husband is a scoundrel. She said it, and then she goes, and I did not know that your young men protected them. She's just telling the story truthfully. She's not embellishing anything there. And so number three is she quickly admitted her part that was wrong or contributed to the problem. So she's, in a sense, saying, if I'd known about it, I would have, I would have tried to do something about it. I didn't know about it. And I wish I did. You know, maybe I need to be more observant. She's, she's saying that, hey, you know, I wish I had done better and, and helped here. So David's instantly seeing that she's not arguing, she's not upset, she's not going to defend her actions. She's, in fact, admitting areas. And this is a small thing, right? She's not expecting everything to mean, but she's even admitting that, hey, I did not know about this. And so she, she, David is seeing she is coming with humility not to start an argument. Now look at the brilliance of this next sentence here, this next verse, verse 26. Now, therefore, my Lord, she says... As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, hand, now then let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. So she is doing something brilliant right here and led by the Spirit is she's centering things now on spiritual issues and she's speaking righteousness over the other person. So that's lesson number four. Go ahead and put that up there. I think I've got it there. So she's now saying, as surely as the Lord lives. So she's bringing the Lord in here. And and she's saying, she's speaking righteousness. You're you're not going to uh, uh, shed bloodshed over this. In fact, you're not going to avenge yourself with your own hand. You're going you're, you're to let those enemies and those who seek harm be as my Lord Nabal, that he's just going to get what he deserves. So she's like speaking righteousness over David that you're, you're not going to shed innocent blood and you're not going uh, to avenge yourself. You're going to trust God. And that is powerful when we speak a positive uh, uh, spiritual context over the person that God has plans for you. God is working in your life. Let's keep looking at the next verse here, verse 27 and 28. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. So she's... 
there's a lot of lords in here. She's now calling David, you're my Lord. Of course, she's calling God her Lord. And saying that the Lord is going to make your house enduring. And, and you fight the battles of the Lord. Evil is not found in you, David. So she's brought things into spiritual issues. She's speaking righteousness over here. Now she's recognizing his strengths and his good qualities. Now, I can't really see him today, but he has this reputation of Saul is the one that is, is, is not blessed by Samuel. Samuel has blessed David. David is pure before the Lord. He does what is right before the Lord. And evil is not found in him. So you, when you are going to be approaching a hard conversation and you think it's going to be an argument, it's going to be intense, you need to think in him, now, what positive things can I say about them or their future? And write them down if you have to in preparation. I mean, she's riding a donkey. She didn't get a chance to write this stuff down. But somehow she formulated all of this, and that was part of this hard conversation, this appeal to this authority who had all the power and might to slay her her and her maidservants and, and all the men. And she is speaking positive things about good qualities. Next verse, 29. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God. In the lives of your enemies, he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. So just just think about this. She has gone in now to putting an illustration of how this famous story of how he slayed Goliath with a stone and a sling, that really God's going to do that with all of his enemies as he's king and in his future, that his enemies won't be able to stand up because God is going to put them in a sling. And, and it's like, oh, yeah, she's thinking about my big glory days with Goliath. She really likes what I did there. She knows I'm a hero. I mean, she's really using this illustration, bringing in God in it, and it's appealing to his heart. I mean, it's, that illustration there was brilliant. It was the Lord. If you want to capture his attention, you, bring, you connect this with his victory over Goliath, because it was a miracle, right? I mean, that, I mean, that, that was a, 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 an act of courage, but God was with him and gave him that victory. So what, what are we getting at? Let's keep reading the verses. Verse 30. And it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed, uh, shed blood without cause or that my Lord has avenged himself. But the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. She's smart. She's saying, please don't forget me when you do rise to power because I'm honoring you today. And she's got... And she's speaking into a blessed future for him, saying you're not going to have this offense of causing uh, shedding the blood of innocent people. You're not going to be known as a man who avenges himself. And if you read his Psalms, you find that David says over and over again, God, I trust you to avenge me, to vindicate me. I don't take matters in my own hand and go back and get back at them. I don't go back and get 
revenge and go back. They deserve this. I'm going to get right back. I'm going to my, my what I'm going to say next is going to cut even. They just hurt me. into what I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to get them mm, zinger. No, you you trust God. I'm going to stay pure and holy. I want to trust God to vindicate me. And David was known for that. You read it repeatedly in his Psalms. And she sees this in him, that this could be a grave mistake for him, that his character would be blemished here. And so uh, what does she speak? She's, what is she doing in number six, this lesson? Speaking an honorable and blessed future over David. Let me tell you what happens next. David, he is, is captured by this appeal. She did massively have a wisdom that, in a sense, he's relieved. He's like, oh, you're right. I'm listening to your advice. You are blessed. You've kept me from avenging myself with my own hand, he says. You've kept me from not trusting God and just doing it my own way. He's relieved that, in a sense, she's delivered this from himself, delivered David from himself. And he blesses her and he says, go up in peace. I receive, you know, he receives this gift of this food and and you go in peace to your house. Now, David does some positive things here. Remember, lessons from David first is mistakes. Don't forget to ask the Lord first. And then as you're doing that, don't let your self-talk escalate to anger and rage. God will bring you down to level-headedness and wisdom. But here's a couple good things he did right here. Number three, he listened to Abigail. Men, listen to your wives. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't understand, and I'm a man, and I'm head of the home. And she, No, listen, if she's saying something different, then postpone the decision. Put it to more prayer. Listen to your wife. Wives, listen to your husbands. You're a team for a reason. God has put you together. And if it's different and you're coming at it at two different angles, put it to more prayer. And ask God to be more clear and, and listen uh, to the Lord to clear things up. Number four, as David realized he was not trusting God, he's like, man, you're right. I've, I've just, I've turned into a Saul. I've turned into a Nabal. I'm just like the rest of them. I'm reacting out of anger and I'm, I'm going to shed innocent blood. And in and, and this, you know, this was a culture of warfare. So it's not too surprising he might do this. He's a man of honor, but it's, you know, David is different than the rest, and he wants to be different. And in, in this place right here, she brought that out so clearly with a humble heart that he realized, yes, you're the one trusting God. I'm not. What happens next? She goes to her husband. He's in the middle of a massive party. He's drunk, so she didn't say anything to him that night. Next morning, he wakes up. She tells him what happened the night before. You would be dead right now 
if I didn't go down there and humble myself, give him these gifts, they were on their way to slaughter every man in your family and your business. And this news, it says his heart turned cold and died. So he had some kind of heart attack and and he's laying in bed and 10 days later he dies. And so what did David do? He sends the messengers up and had them propose to Abigail, I want to marry you. And she said, sounds good to me and got on some donkeys, got her maidservants and became his wife. So let's wrap this up with a, with a few things. Lessons from Damal. Listen, number one, harsh and being unapproachable just leads to hopelessness for those around you. Number two, wicked actions will catch up to you. What you sow, you shall reap. And it's kind of surprising that Nabal had that much long-term success in such a big business. But he did. But it ended suddenly at this moment. God brought justice to this man, and it ended up being his death. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave not to give us a bunch of more laws and commandments. The golden rule that says in the New Testament is treat others as you would have, you'd want them to treat you. Jesus sums up the commandments with love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He brings it down to two. Jesus does not bring a bunch of laws and rules and regulations. What he does do is he brings transformation to us. So in the Beatitudes, let's go to Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That humility that she showed was a humility with action and strength. That was called meekness. God can work meekness in us by his spirit because The Holy Spirit lives within us. So there's a transforming power in us. We don't have to do this in our own strength. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You and I, we can, if you're if you're not characterized by this, is this something you struggle with? You can become a peacemaker by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Like Abigail. And I want to say that in Matthew 5, verse 4, that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Because we don't get this directly from the story, but it's in the context, it's in the order of things, that David was in a vulnerable place. He didn't get to join in the the lamenting of the community. He was hurting. He was in a vulnerable, weak place because Samuel, his spiritual father, had just passed. And so his reaction was quick. And anger is one of the, uh, you know, many types of emotions we have after a great loss of some kind. And that anger, boy, it just came right out. Gird your, take your sword. Let's go to quick battle here. He didn't even go to prayer. He didn't go to his knees. He didn't go to the priest. So, Lord, thank you 
that you give us your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that you do not leave us hanging, that you give us this wisdom from Abigail on tough conversations. Some of the toughest maybe of our lives, Lord God, you give us wisdom to bring deliverance to those involved. And so, Lord, thank you that you transform us. You don't leave us where we are, but you transform us into peacemakers, into having meekness and humility. And we thank you for that. That our future is good. You bless our future. You see our future like Abigail saw his future. As good, as blessed, as us living righteously, Lord God. That's how you see it, Lord. That our future is good. Our future is blessed. If you have any prayer needs, uh, you can feel free to come up here to those up front. If you are online, we have a phone number for the next 30 minutes here on Sunday morning to receive prayer. We want to encourage you to stay as after we close uh, uh, for the um, uh, cookout. Just want you to stay and just have fun today. And let's just kind of sing our way out of here. Let's do more song. Then I'll bless you as you go out. And I'll put get that list up here as well after this song. Let's go. Let's sing this.